This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast that looks at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today, boy, we got a doozy for you. It's pretty much the, like, probably the biggest hyped uh, horror film of the year, I would say. Uh, This has been making, getting quite a bit of attention for... uh, quite a lot of people uh it is hereditary uh the tony collette vehicle and uh uh what you could say uh satanic ritual uh, extraordinaire <laughs> yeah written directed by ari aster um this is a film that you know caught me off guard when i first heard about it i remember seeing the trailer and seeing so much in this trailer happening i'm thinking wow if they're showing this much in the trailer I can't wait to see the movie. It's going to be absolutely insane. And while the movie is absolutely insane at times, they spoiled a lot in that trailer, man. They uh, really, really did. I, I will say that like a lot of this trailer, uh, it's very much like a mood piece, and it shows a lot of visual flair and uh, eye-catching things to sort of you know get your attention, get your butt in the seat, if you will. Uh, and you can't say that it wasn't a- a- attention-grabbing, and out of context, these images seem horrific, but also, in the context of the movie, it is a bit on the nose with almost every important aspect, with a few exceptions, but uh, I, th- I think we should probably start getting into like the reception of this overall, because I think what really has done this is positive word of mouth for a lot of the hype surrounding this film. Positive, it is pretty- I think, let, let's put it this way, positive positive word from critical, you know, it's gotten critical acclaim. Yeah. Um, so, like, positive reviews from critics have really pushed it into the forefront. At Sundance, it was hailed as being, you know, an amazing, amazing horror film. Some people said it was going to change horror or it was the scariest thing that they've ever seen or right. you know it was so shocking a lot of comparison to hallmark classics of the horror genre like the exorcist or rosemary's baby or something like that and they're saying it's so horrendously shocking so i'm i'm on the hype train at this point thinking this is going to be the most insane thing i've ever seen in my entire life i can't you know and and you know i ended up seeing it the other day and while it is a very well-made film, and it is very, very good, it reminds me of movies like The Ritual, The Witch, Suspiria, Rosemary's Baby. Like, it has elements of all of those, and I feel like it pulls elements from all of those to make something that is really awesome and and super effective, but it's not breaking any molds. I understand, and I, th- and I think we kind of get into this... Uh, we've talked about this before when... Uh, when a horror movie is simply good or solid enough, uh, that really like that momentum to uh, regular critics and audiences uh, is something that they really latch onto, and they they may pimp it up to be something bigger than what it actually is. 
where as something like Hereditary you say is a solid, very, very good film, it is by no means groundbreaking or something for the ages. I will say, no, I will say that it is great, and I think that people will remember it for some very messed up moments. I think the ending in particular left a lot of people... A lot of people that I've, I've talked to did not like the ending. They thought it was a little too strange, and they were hoping that it would be a little more psychological thriller and contained. Um, I thought the ending was fine, but that's an ending that I've seen a lot recently, and I thought it was going to go a different route. Now, some of the aspects of this film that bothered me is that the director said the house in particular, he wanted to be a character in this film. And I loved the idea of that. And I like the opening scene of it being the miniature of the house. And then it's almost like a, a play or something where you're just yeah, moving the into scene the miniature. setting type of like miniature diorama sort of aesthetic that he's kind of bringing forth to the table. And you see quite a few of these shots that look like a sort of like from above head perspective diorama type of feel from it especially the last shot which still blows my mind oh absolutely uh, and i think i that you know it it really has two very well bookended scenes that are the live action moments inside of the uh inside of the house right uh and showing it in that diorama type way but i wanted more of that and i wanted there to be more correlation between her making these miniature models and what's actually going on in this film. Because there are so many things that I'm drawn to in this movie that I feel like are glossed over and then other stuff becomes the focus instead. Something kind of out of left field a little bit becomes the focus instead. And well, I, th th I think that's kind of where this movie tends to shine for me because I keep seeing the way that this, uh, the screenplay in particular, hides expository and like info dumpy dialogue in sort of throwaway exposition from its main character, mainly Tony Collette here, uh, where we see her. I'm just kind of sort of jumping into a bit of the middle here where she's at this grief council meeting and she's kind of just spilling her guts about all of the like messed up things and manipulations done by her now deceased mother and how her dad died when she was five and her brother committed suicide at 16 because he was schizophrenic and had a bunch of all of these other mental health issues. And in context to the way the film reveals itself more and more, you don't think about that stuff. And then it slowly starts to unravel more and more where a lot of the problems and machinations of not only this family, but this grandmother figure uh, revealed itself slowly. And you don't think about it too much, or at least as much as you need to, until after the creds have rolled and you're reeling back in your mind like, oh, so this means this, this means that. It's a very... It, it, I think the screenplay is smart in its execution to not bog you down with actual explanations and showing you rather than telling you about the very important things. I, I agree with you. And there are some really amazing elements with that. And when you think back about certain things, you start to wonder, was it really a mental health issue with the family or was the grandmother, 
you know, using them as, as to try and become vessels. Because remember, the 16-year-old boy committed suicide. She wanted the body of a boy. And he said she was trying to get into his head. So you realize he wasn't crazy and that the family didn't have as many, as many mental issues as she actually thought they did. And so she, like, she was essentially creating her own anxieties and her own issues based on these stories when it really revolved around what her mother was doing right and that's a and like it's such a beautiful metaphor like ushered in by tony collette like i, I kind of just need to give praise to tony collette here because she's oh, yeah. pretty much like i rarely have i like thought of some performances in horror films to be like borderline Oscar worthy, but I would kind of put this up there. She is doing an incredible job. At, I would, like, I would, I definitely, I definitely think she's, she's killing it in this. There's, there's a lot of great acting in this. It seemed like Gabriel Byrne was the most subdued out of everyone. Well, he's uh, also bringing quite a bit to this sort of like straight man husband type of role where. He's kind of like he needs to be that anchor to all of the craziness that this family is taking on and doing his absolute best to try to just stay the course, not only for the sake of his wife, but for his son as well. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of get to like a few plots in plot points in sequence that I think really stand out. And I think that you might have had, had issue with uh in the meantime, but I think the sort of the first part of like the thing to kick off for you is something that was spoiled for you. Oh uh, man, it made it, me horribly. I was so I was so frustrated. Now I'd be so we, pissed. We always say ahead of time, hey guys, we do have spoilers. Um but one of my friends was talking to me about this movie and I was about to go see it and he said, Oh man, and I can't believe that girl like gets decapitated. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, oh yeah, the the main little girl, right? I mean, that not that like the whole plot of the movie? Like this happens and everything starts? I'm like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? I didn't even know that was part of the movie. And I'm, I'm not thrilled at this point. And he said, oh man, he says, oh, I read a review. And that was in like the first few sentences of the review that this happens. And I said, was there anything that said like spoiler warning? None. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, great, now this is out there, so people are going to just hear this before they even see the movie. Because it's a shocking thing. You think this girl, Millie Shapiro's character, is Charlie, is going to be in the movie the entire time. They, they give you this feeling in the trailer that she's a central focus of this film. And, you know, then you find out this thing in the beginning where it's briefly referenced that Charlie has a nut allergy, but, you know, they always have to check what she's eating because she just doesn't pay attention, you know, sometimes. And lo and behold, her stupid, stupid, stupid brother um, goes to this party and leaves her alone to get high with someone, and she eats chocolate cake that he says, go eat some, and she wants him to go over. And he, if he had gone over, he would have seen, hey, there's nuts on this. Granted, she should know what nuts look like and not to eat them on the cake, because I remember seeing nuts clear as day on that cake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that's, and that's the whole thing. Like, even, and that, like, again, shout-outs to the cinematography in this movie, because the way that they display those nuts, just, like, being savagely, like, cracked and chopped, like, it looks like brains are or maggots yeah. or something and it's just being like chopped it's, on the it's, table like it's disgusting but they're just like macadamia yeah, cashews but it's alluding to so much in this film that's going to happen next and you know she eats the she eats the cake and and 
her throat starts seizing up and but luckily you know i thought she was something was gonna happen there but you know i've been told stuff already so i'm like oh shit oh shit oh shit uh and then the brother takes her and in such a weird series of events misses a deer her head's out the window it hits a light pole it you don't see what happens but you hear the noise right you see the hit you hear the noise and just dead silence just stops and dead silence and again great acting all around from oh this, yeah uh, it, it's this super actor. it's really effective but the the part that got me a little bit was they left it kind of open where he drives off goes home and just acts like he's in shock so he's just going home like nothing happened and then we he goes to bed and then we hear tony collette's character saying how she's gonna go out he's still in bed and then you hear the scream cuts to jump cut to her head on the side of the road tongue hanging out jaw destroyed and giant ants eating it and it's so upsetting because i thought she was a really cool character and charlie seemed like this really interesting unique character that i wanted to follow through this entire movie and having her taken out so early on and in such an awful way to me was a disservice to this film i i just I wanted there to be more involved with with her character. And there is. There is, essentially. But, eh. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand where you're coming from. I very much liked not only that character, but the uh, portrayal of that character Absolutely. Uh, by Millie Shapiro. Like, she is a phenomenal young actress that I really, really hope we get to see more of because she's done a phenomenal job. Uh, right yeah with, absolutely. The, with this mean... little character um but i i think it is kind of essential that like in in the sor- sort of reveal of like the transfer of this demon or this entity that is passing through the family uh th- it is kind of alluded to that it comes in and out of uh charlie's character because she has these visions of the grandmother like in the field like with fire around her and that those like little like I- illustrations of light like passing through her uh, uh through her room and as it like pulsates through like that's clearly we don't know what it means in the beginning but as we go through the film more and more like clearly that is either some form of, or entity trying to enter her and pass through her and i i had recently read this because of like small details that we may have missed that symbol of the hell king that like or the entity from hell that they were trying to give Pyman. a vessel to i think it was yes, Pyman. Yeah. Yeah. Pyman. uh his symbol is actually <laughs> engraved on that uh uh that pole that she gets decapitated from it, as elusive as that can be we keep seeing these smaller like grander schemes at play well and that's what and- to yeah, that's that's when you say grander schemes at play, that's exactly what I'm thinking too is that you you do realize because you start to question stuff, right? When you get to the end of the movie and everything is revealed, you start thinking, well, this is how did they plan for all of this to happen? I mean, Charlie even says in the beginning, "Grandma wishes I was a boy." And you you get a little seed planted right there and throughout you get a bunch more of that. Um until it all starts growing and you're like, holy crap, I now it's all making sense to me. And 
having that symbol on that as well, you know that they've planned this the entire time. They've planned how exactly this was going to work out. And that's really messed up to think about. Yeah. And, and like, even calling back to the first scene at the funeral where uh, the mysterious friends of her grandmother that, like, not even Tony Collette's character knew about. Like, it, like, she was shocked to find out that her grandmother had so many friends. And all of her friends were kind of looking at Charlie in that creepy way that, like, it's inside of you, isn't it? Like, they're so captivated by that family and that girl in particular that, knowing that it needs to transfer and move like it's it's so creepy and unsettling also uh need to talk about uh the like post charlie death to like psychological unwinding of both peter and annie uh, i think i think before even we get to that there was something really interesting that I noticed. Did you notice the rumbling in the sound design? It was this unsettling rumbling. It was almost like a different version of what was done in the film Irreversible, where they had this tone that you couldn't really hear, but it was supposed to make you feel nauseous when you're watching the film. It almost felt like this was being used to make you unsettled as you're watching the movie, because it, it you, you notice it, and it kind of catches you off guard, and you're like, what is, what is this? Like, what is going on? What is this noise? Is something wrong? Like, am I hearing... Why is this reverberating? I thought I was hearing bass from another theater. And it just, it kind of gets you unsettled a little bit. Yeah. Now, it's, it's this unblaring, like, white noise sometimes Yeah, and it's, it, it kind of reminded me of a different way of using sound design, like how in The Witch you have that broken orchestral score, and that defines that. And in A Quiet Place, you have the absence of sound or the nullification of sound at certain points. Um... And then in this, it's it's like they're playing with the idea of using a kind of heavy rumble or heavy but low or low rumbling bass tones to just kind of just make you feel like you're ready for something crazy to happen. And it just it's this whole movie is trying to put you through the ringer over and over and over again in one way or another. And if it's not getting you one way, it's trying to hit you another way. And by the end of it. So much is going on that once that full reveal happens, it, I won't say it's ineffective. It was cool to see that reveal. Yeah, it's a little sensory overload right at the end, but seeing some of, or seeing that final reveal and knowing what's going on, it just felt like I've seen it before and it didn't really do anything that shocked me now i will say you know the one scene where you, i loved when they would go from day to night when you would see the house outside and it would come yes, from it's, day it's to night literally as if like you flicked a switch on the outside world it's and it, i, it was I love such that a great cut i love that so much but it's the final time that that happens where all of a sudden you see the naked people standing in that outside and the, you're like wait what because it's it's unexpected you're totally not expecting that to happen um after after Peter jumps out of the window and lands down, you see this the light. It's not washing over anymore. It's actually a ball, and it goes into him, right? Um, and it he ends up standing up, and then starts making that mouth click. That mm -hmm. uh, he just does one, by the way. Like it's he just, just a does look. one, 
But Charlie throughout the movie is taunting people. She does this mouth click all the time, and, you know, he hears it, and that's what makes him kind of go crazy is he's losing his mind from guilt throughout this movie. Uh, and now he is possessed by Charlie. Now, at the end, they're saying it is this this evil demon, uh, this king of hell, is now inside of Peter. And I do think that that's who Charlie really is. And that's interesting to me because, like, what was it possessing Charlie the whole time? And was it a part of Charlie? Like, did the grandmother give her that spirit as well? It's... It's well, a very... remember they said the grandmother wanted to wanted a, a child to raise, and first she wanted Peter, and he said, or and the mother said, no, you're not going to get Peter. But when she had the second baby, which was Charlie, she gave her over to her mother. So her mother was like taking care of her, which meant that Charlie, I think the real version of Charlie isn't really there, or it's merged. It's like with... a dormant version of that uh, spirit. It's like Damien from The Omen, because this has like that same Omen feel to it, of this is the demon child, basically, but it needed to be in a male body, and this was the in the insane, convolu not convoluted, but very long-winded plan in order to make that happen, and get, get the demon going. So I think that click just shows that it is Charlie, but it's never really been Charlie. It's always been more than Charlie. Uh, and you notice that in the beginning when... Charlie's trying to make all of these dolls. That's what she keeps making. And at the end, she becomes the doll. Like, her head is put on top of these wood figures. But in the beginning, she cuts off the head of that dead bird. And that bird crashed into the window, and it looked like Charlie had the ability to make that happen when she was told she couldn't draw until after she was done her quiz. So, there's a lot more going on to it where I think that Charlie was this evil entity. Yeah, and because by the end of it, she looks at it like she looks at this whole ceremony that's being performed in the treehouse, uh, like a little bewildered and kind of confused as to what all is going on. And she seems to just, or it seems to just accept it and uh, move on from it, or like, you know, I guess bask in it. And that's kind of the fascinating thing where. Uh, it's a perfect note to end on because you don't really know where it needs to go from here because, you know, the deed is done uh, as it was. Like when Rosemary's Baby were like, okay, and that's curtains for for, for that uh, for that character. And for well, that, we, know like, that, we of... know that one of the eight kings of hell has been freed. So yes, exactly. it kind of makes you wonder, now I'm kind of wondering where are the rest and what are their stories? Yeah, like you, you want that you want to know like the whole mythos of all of these kings and all of these sorts of uh, entities and demons because it's such a fascinating thing. Like we didn't know there were kings of hell. We didn't know that there were like other sorts of things that can bring about uh, like just worshippers and cultists like that. It's a it's a fascinating world that it's brought into and uh, one that I kind of would like to explore. I guess. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I really want to enter into this world and kind of see where this director is going to go next. And, you know, if he's going to do a follow-up to this, like, that would be oh, like that would be amazing. He's certainly a powerhouse of talent that we should look out for for his next project, because as a debut, like The Witch as well, uh, damn, like, this was uh, this was quite a, this, an auspicious debut for sure. They, they know what's going to resonate with, uh, with audiences, so... Or especially with critics, more so with critics than general mainstream audiences. But, 
you know, that's a, that's a good way to get critical acclaim and, and get yourself some awards. So always a good thing for the horror genre. There are a few weird tonal things that I, I was in there and the audience was like laughing at. And I kind of it, found it was it weird. To be... I like my audience as well got a few laughs, and I was very unsettled at the time. Like I almost felt like it was inappropriate what they were laughing at. But then upon further examination, I was like, I mean, I guess you could have laughed at that. Like, which uh, scene? What, what, what like, were you thinking about? So the one scene was when Tony Coll- Tony Collette's big spoiler alert, guys. Uh, Tony Collette's up in the rafters, possessed by the spirit of Charlie or the evil spirit or whatever, decapitating herself with the wire and then it goes from being slow to this real fast pace trying to cut through the bone as quickly as she can and then as he looks down it cuts to those three naked people and the way that the cut happened was so awkward and strange and then the kid just jumps out the window right afterwards and like lands on the ground and I'm just thinking to myself, it was right at the moment of the cut up from the body doing that to these people. Something about that just made a lot of people in the theater laugh. And I found myself kind of like, this was a little ridiculous as well. I, 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 to me, it was the opposite effect. Like, I, I was completely captivatingly horrified at that point. Like, I was so uneasy and so unsettled that, like, if I saw that, I would immediately jump out the window as well. Right, uh, and, and, and it's definitely messed up. I'm not going to say that it's uh, it's extremely messed up, but when that scene was going on, it didn't really... Once she got possessed to the point she was crawling on walls and stuff and moving around, I, I got the whole demon possession thing, but it almost seemed like another one of her visions where you didn't know if it was real or not. Right, and it's... The, the things that the movie tries to play with your expectations where like those movies that were like, Oh, we don't know how crazy the main antagonist thinks he or she is, or, uh, the re like that sort of shutter Island, like who's actually crazy. Is this in their head? Is this actually happening type of thing? Uh, every once in a while, a movie like that needs to make a choice and actually like plant its flag in the, is this happening? Is this not happening camp? And this movie shows this is actually happening oh, and it's, 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 it's totally happening. And what's really great about it is it's very, the plot line is actually very int- intricate when you think about the fact that Joan in essence, just tricked this woman into saying an incantation to get her possessed by this spirit and, and start this whole thing going on. Like they were finally ready and it was like, cool, everything's in place and go. And then it just, it shoots it along. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, the, it, like, again, to the movie's credit, this is a very taut and uh, w- watertight script where almost nothing is left to waste because upon, like, in hindsight, all of those things that the screenplay put into play are easily laid out dominoes for, for you to see once you've actually finished the film. Knowing that... Uh, the connection from her, the grandmother's friend to just showing up at her grief counseling meeting. She was clearly just like trying to egg on this spirit to keep going. And then with the reveal of like, uh, like you, cause you think that she's still on her side until the second that you see her in the photographs, not until when, and I thought like, that was great. I mean, to me, that was, that was an amazing moment when she finds out that she was friends with the grandmother and, 
they were part of something together. They were they had the same necklaces with the same symbols, so you knew that they were part of some cult or coven or something. Um, and and that was that was a really amazing moment. Now the one thing, the other part people were laughing at a lot was Peter, because he goes from being this jerk to devolving, and that's kind of what has to happen. Like it, he needs to. Oh yeah, um, like he, he would have a psychological be, breakdown. In order to be possessed, that's what has to happen. Is in or, that's what this demon likes to have happen because he's like some sort of what prince of the seventh level of hell or something or king he, of hell. I, I believe the ending was the one of the eight kings of hell. Yeah, he is one of the eight kings of hell, and I I'm like this is really cool. I I love the idea of this. I, when you look at it as a whole, it all makes sense. But the way the film is described to you, and the way that they allude to some stuff with the idea that the house is going to be a, a larger entity with the film than I feel that it is. Um, to me, that just is a little yeah of a it, letdown. I, I, and I never and the got over... like a haunted house type of vibe. Like I never thought that there was a sort of possession going on in the space that they had. It's just a lot of the things that happen take place in the house and take place with the family. And yeah, yes, granted that setting is very intricate and important to the film. But I don't necessarily see it as a character. Well, it was the whole model-making thing. that That's what right. I was very interested in, and I thought it would play a larger role in things. I thought that the actual model-making would somehow deal with what was going on um, with this family and part of something of a larger story behind it. And I like that. I just think it's a really cool design. They did a lot of focus on it, and it's this subplot of Tony Collette's character dealing with trying to get this stuff done for this gallery show. And it's just, it's kind of in there, it has its moments, and then it's done. I just wanted more to come of that. Exactly. Um, and I, I feel like mainly these dioramas were a very good way of, again, hiding exposition without having to talk about it. Because yes. you see all of these scenes of, like, the grandmother wanting to breastfeed Charlie. And, right, uh, right. And, like, the, and that stuff that is That watchful cool. eye of the mother, like, just hanging outside the doorway like it's so creepy but it also means so much just to see like it, it it hits on every level yeah i think this is one of those movies that needs i think it requires a second viewing definitely because i went in with different expectations than what i got and i think that may have kind of skewed my my view of it a bit but i think it definitely needs a second viewing especially having now knowing how everything in the movie goes to kind of see how intricately laid out everything is. Cause the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I get that. Oh, that pieces together with this, with the mythos that they end up putting in there. Now I understand how it all, you know, came to be. Exactly. And, but to, th to talk about the thing, cause you still have a few, had a few issues with uh, how heavily it seems to borrow from a lot of classic horror staples. It's not uh, that I have. A, it's not that I really have an issue with it as much. I think it's that some of these movies have come out recently or are coming back into pop culture recently. The remake of Suspiria, which uh, the trailer just came out for that. Movies like the The Witch and then The Ritual, which just came out recently as well. They kind of deal with this um, cults and demonology and and the occult have been used in a lot of movies lately. Um, films like The Sacrament and uh, even like Red State and things like that. So it's it's not something that's overly new. 
I think the way that this was done was it was interesting. Yes, and I I feel like if anyone if any of these movies are going to be derivative, this was probably the best type of way you can borrow from all of these elements because a lot of the elements that are at play here in this movie are kind of against type. Like, every time that you think that you're like, oh, well, I've seen Stranger Things. I know how this is going to go. No, it doesn't. Oh, well, I've seen Rosemary's Baby. This is how... Well, no, it's not. Like, you can clearly see the ties that this movie takes from, and it brings just a tiny bit of a twist on each single... Every single one. Uh, the, the mere fact that this isn't the devil and it's a king of hell, like that in and of itself is refreshing. Like to know that like he requires a male host and he is like the king of familiars and wealth. Like that's cool. Like that's why people would worship him. That's a completely fun and refreshing way to see. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a cool movie. The more I think about it, the more I am excited to actually see it again. When I got out of the movie, I wasn't excessively thrilled, mainly due to the fact that I was expecting something different just due to all the hype that was coming out about it. Um, I would say, you know, had I gone in with low expectations or no real expect, I kind of didn't want to go in with any expectations, just that the trailer looked cool, you know, when I first saw that. And that's kind of all I wanted to go in with it. But then all of a sudden you just hear it's the most amazing thing that's ever existed. And, and that kind of just pulls it down a peg. I feel like this is a movie, though, that over the te- it will stand the test of time as far as being a very effective horror film. I understand it got an audience score of a D plus um, from like Cinema Score or something. That feels I- absurdly low. Yeah, but you know what? The Witch got a C minus, so it well, does not. Well, fuck it, Cinema Score then. <laughs> but no, 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 no. This is from the audiences. This is from audiences who have seen this movie, and this is the average audience member who comes out of this, who's not like an avid horror fan. I can totally understand them giving this the score that they did because it's it's definitely a very intricate movie in the way that The Witch is as well. And if you don't understand the mythos behind it, you're not necessarily going to understand the film itself. I can that being said, that. It, this is a huge, huge recommend from me, yes. even though it it didn't live up to the hype train. Well, yes, and when a movie is as hyped up as this, uh, you kind of have to like cut yourself off from it just so that you don't inherently get disappointed. And I feel like some people could hear about that, but... A lot of the praise that this, that's getting heaped on this movie is pretty well deserved. Like, it fires on all cylinders from cinematography, sound design, acting, Tony Collette alone. Like, you need to get some awards for this. Like, for real. Uh, I, I think a lot of the movie rests upon, like, the shoulders of giants from what it comes from. From pretty much any in the classics playbook. But again, I... I think it earns it. I think it earns the ending. I think it earns a lot of the praise that it's getting. I I, I can't really recommend this enough, especially uh, if you are looking for something that it, it doesn't toe the line. I don't think there's a single jump scare in this movie at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, there, it doesn't really go for the jump scares. If it's gonna mess with you, it straight up is going straight for it. Uh, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't really pull any punches. I kind of wish they had not shown the Gabriel Byrne being set on fire in the trailer. Right, because that's a pretty big moment. It was a huge moment, and it would have been a lot more effective had it been done 
just randomly because you think, all right, well, maybe this won't be, it'll just be some sort of dream sequence because you get a lot of those in the movie and it's not. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, this is definitely a recommend. Go see it. Uh, don't don't go in with, you know, the highest of, of lofted expectations because yeah, you'll always be disappointed. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And I, I think that was that's the pitfall of any well acclaimed movie is that if you if you buy into the hype too much, then you, you'll get sucker punched by disappointment. But absolutely, I, I really gotta recommend this movie. Like it was not easy to watch at all. I literally slept with the lights on for like two nights, and it was. Oh, see, was, for me, I for me, I ended up watching this and was like. Yeah, not nearly as shocking. I've seen I've seen more shocking movies, way more shocking movies, and that's kind of why it let me down a bit because I thought it was going to be something that was going to take it to a whole new level for me, and it just mm-hmm. that's where it didn't. But it's still amazing in its own right. Um, so go check it out if you haven't. And yeah, that'll do it for us this week. Next week, uh, we are going to take a look at. Ooh, you know what? You know what's a good one that we should look at. What should we look at? Event Horizon. Ooh. Okay. That's that's a fun one. And actually, uh, the only Paul W.S. Anderson movie that I actually that I that I like. And, I, I yeah. keep hear <laughs> I keep hearing uh things that like people need to watch it even with a plummetous uh, Rotten Tomato score of twenty four percent. Uh this one keeps getting brought up for some reason and i am seriously starting to be intrigued as to why uh there's there's something really fun about it it's not the most amazing thing ever i i saw it in theaters and was not a fan but then later on saw it again and again and again and again and was like wow this is actually very very fun Mm -hmm. uh but that being said that'll do it for us this week uh as always i'm rob holmes and i'm steve allman i'll talk to you next time thanks everybody Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead 